How are we doing, everybody? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader. And today we are bringing you some esports NFT and crypto news that has been hitting the block this week because there's a lot of it. There's a ton of it. There's The world is moving real fast this week. Okay. Yeah. And st- uh, before we go anywhere, Jacob, let's talk about our sponsor, EMP.money. What's going on with them? Because ETH is all over the place. This is this is something that I know pegs itself to ETH. What is going on? Is my money in trouble or am I good? <laughs> so your EMP money is not in trouble. Okay. Uh, yeah, ETH has been hit pretty hard. So I woke up this morning, checked ETH. It was at like 1,700. Uh, it's climbed back up to almost 1,900. Wow. Um, but through that, EMP has remained resilient. Uh, we're actually above peg right now. We're actually crazy above peg right now. So we're at 1.05 peg. Um, the boardroom is printing as long as we're above 1.01. Uh, so based on current APR rates, uh, if you're staking e-shares in the boardroom, you're essentially doubling your money in 30 days. Um, so that is, for all counts and purposes, absolutely ludicrous. Uh, you know, we're still early in the process of EMP money. The the protocol, right? We saw how bad Luna got hit. We saw how bad to, you know, they all failed. And EMP money is literally back above peg back showing their resiliency. You know, it's it's awesome that we're getting to work with them and you know getting to share this, I mean, this insane alpha with all of you. Um, so, you know, we're going to do a giveaway for 50 EMP tokens on the stream today. Uh, and as always, you should check them out. You just got to type in emp.money and, you know, you'll start earning. 100%. Yeah, emp.money. We have been working with them now for over three months. They are a proven protocol. They really know their stuff. And their team and their founder, they are so committed to their community, which is one of the best reasons why we can't just say enough good things about them. You know, that that's Absolutely. we're all about community here at Zen Sports and Zen Sports here. And uh, you know, uh we we love anything that's really trying to get around their community. And this is just one of those things that has blown us away week after week. So please go check them out, emp.money. Starting yeah. off this week, Jacob. You got the first story. Let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, Saudi Arabia now owns 5% of Nintendo, um, right? So I think we covered this last news episode or maybe two ago where Saudi Arabia purchased the ESL, right? And that was actually huge for esports because it's a major exit. It's a company that, you know, ESL is, is a big tournament hoster, right? They host CSGO tournaments. They host a lot of other games. Um, and them being acquired and having a really successful exit, I don't know what the purchase price was, but I think it was it was above 100 million. I want to say um, that's huge for the esports industry. So it's, it validates what we're doing here at esports or here at Zen Sports. Yeah. Um, and now the Saudi Arabia group. Um, so let me. So the kingdom. Yeah, it is. The, it's Saudi Arabia. It's literally the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Wow. Now owns five percent of Nintendo. Um, so this was a, a recent investment. They invested two point nine eight billion. Uh, so unfortunately, this article just says they invested two dollars and ninety eight cents, but I'm willing to bet that that's a little bit cheap for five percent stake in one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. Agreed. Um, so I'm going to guess it's two point nine billion, um, which is a lot of money, but it it's a big deal. And you know, Nintendo is interesting, right? Let's talk a little bit about how Nintendo is different from people like Activision, and you know, really on on the core of esports, right? Nintendo doesn't focus on esports. Nintendo is like for the casual gamers and all these other, you know, Riot Games, everyone, they're all using esports for marketing, but Nintendo isn't, right? What's your thoughts on that, Ryan? 
Yeah, Nintendo's always had this kind of weird outlook on esports. In fact, they pu- we talked about this too. They pulled Super Smash Bros. from one of the largest fighting game events of the year. Evo is no longer hosting Super Smash Bros. Uh, because Nintendo's like, look, we're not going to have you use our IP like this. Uh, we are for the casual and like party gamer type atmosphere. We are a family friendly brand. That's kind of just how they've always come off, you know. And actually, you know, I don't have this on the list of uh, articles here, but I've read about it a few times this week, how in a recent meeting with their investing uh, investing board, the president of Nintendo was saying, you know, we are really concerned about the move from the Nintendo Switch to our next gen console, which I mean, I'm going to be honest a lot. And I've seen a lot of these comments uh, kind of ringing the same sort of bell here. Why so soon? You know, the Switch has has been out for a little bit here, but man, this is a console that I think has a lot more life to it. They just released a new and improved console this past year during the holiday season with a better screen, a little bit bigger. There should not be a rush for a console that has proved itself to be so successful. What they're trying yeah. to avoid, quote the president, they don't want another Wii U situation. And I could not <laughs> agree more. Uh, that console yeah. was confusing clunky and you know i never bought into it because i was like this is not a console that works for me like the the game pad and like home console functionality to like try to go on the go but then also you need to be like you need to be in in your home it's just it was so confusing so tell us about that i don't remember exactly what the wii u did so wrong can you enlighten us yeah so you know trying to expand upon the wii was a really difficult task, right? Because between the Wii and the Switch, those are two very, very, very different consoles. And in between, in that process between the Wii and the Nintendo Switch, you've got the Wii U, and you've got the long line of Nintendo DSi and the Nintendo 3DS consoles, right? So you've got this great handheld system that you've had for uh, at least a decade that has been revamped multiple times from the original Nintendo uh, DS all the way up to the new 3DS XL is like what what the last thing was before the Switch came out. But the Wii U was this intermediary console that was just about what most people regard as kind of a failure. And not kind of, it was a failure. It had a gamepad with a small screen on it, and it looks like an old model of what a Nintendo Switch could be, except it wasn't. It was meant to be playing the game at home, but need to go or to need to game on the go, play the game on your game pad on the go, and then come back home and everything saves back to the Wii U. I think that's how it worked, but it it didn't work exactly like that. And it just, it did not sell as well because it wasn't a revolutionary console. The GameCube in the early 2000s was a revolutionary console after the consoles of the 90s, right? The Wii was a revolutionary console after the GameCube because you introduced IR remotes that connected to the sensor bar, right? That was huge. And then the Nintendo Switch is a revolutionary console because it is a cross between the Nintendo DS and a home console that plugs into your TV, which is yep. kind of where they were going, where they were headed. But the Wii U was a crappy attempt at what the Switch has successfully done. 
I think the Wii U had some sort of like augmented reality component to it too. Like where you would use your handheld console, look through your handheld console at the TV console, and you could like do stuff that way. Does that ring any bell? It honestly, I didn't buy a Wii U, Jacob. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I had friends who had one, and every time we used it, I just was like, "Why are we not playing on a Wii right now?" You know. And for mm-hmm. most of the time, like you used it for the previous Wii software because it was backwards compatible with with Wii games. So mm-hmm. you used it for the Wii games, right? It it wasn't like the Wii U did not have successful, popular Wii U title games. It just, yeah, you know, it's just it wasn't that. You know, Super Smash Four was on the Wii U, I think, um, after Brawl, right? I think, or no, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm I might be remembering. I don't know incorrectly. I do I, have a question for you though. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it is clear that Nintendo has actually done revolutionary things consoles, right? We think about them mainly because of Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart and the amazing IP, but their consoles, like, they're game-changing, right? Which of the, the three biggest consoles, let's say the, 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 the original GameCube, the Wii, and the Switch, which one do you think is kind of the most influential? I feel like it depends on the generation because the GameCube, you know, was building off of the 64, the NES, right? The evolution of the controller. And then Mm -hmm. the Wii says, F the controller. You could still use it for some games, but the Wii completely switches over to that vertical style remote. Instead of requiring Mm -hmm. both hands, you now only need to use one hand or or both or a nunchuck or, you know, plug into the Wii remote, right? But the Switch, the Switch is a... Uh, I would argue a more complicated console with more built-in features because it is a cross between mobile and home. But as yeah. for which one is the most influential, I think today it's probably got to be the Wii. Yeah, I agree. It's Dude, probably got to be the Wii. The Wii is so revolutionary. That that was just a fun machine. for this For yeah. this century, it's got to be the Wii. Dude, Mario Kart on the Wii and we golf and we baseball, like that stuff that is just so much fun to play with your friends. It is so stress-free and it's it was such a revolutionary addition to video games, right? The fact that you could almost be in the game, right? Swinging your sword, you know, mm-hmm. hitting your volleyball, like we re- sports, we sports resort. I mean, dude, these games were unbelievable. Did you know, I I think did you know that we sports was originally not supposed to be bundled with the Wii? in in the western uh market really did you know that so i was i actually just saw a video on this yesterday so uh reggie the former ceo of nintendo or former president i should say he just released a book about his time as the president of of nintendo and in that book he says that the ceo in japan i can't remember his name um said uh nintendo does not give out free content and reggie goes trust me release wii sports with the wii and it will be a console that people remember forever and so when the wii sold in japan it did not come with the wii with wii with wii sports but when you bought a wii in the united states in the western market it was sold bundled with wii sports and today wii sports is synonymous with the release of the wii and so Crazy. 
you know, Reggie was right. He goes, I was right. You know, we, the, the, we sold tremendously well and people to this day remember so fondly of Wii sports. I mean, we talk about how influential the Wii is, right? They just had to redo Wii sports again for the third time for the Nintendo switch. So yeah, there isn't GameCube sports. There isn't switch sports. It's Wii sports three. Let's be real. Yeah, so I'm looking at it now, and it looks like they've sold 100 million units. Um, and, the, you know, we were talking about the Wii U. They only sold 10 million of that. Yeah, um, literally. You know, I, I, I would be interesting. You know, they, they say they're coming out with a new console. To me, doing something further with that, you know, Wii, Wii was almost like an entrance into VR, right? You know, it wasn't VR, but it was yeah. like you were in the game. You know, I think they got to go back to something like that. And I know they are literally saying they don't want to do another Wii U. Well, the and problem is suggesting the yeah. problem with that is, is that they've attempted to do that in the past. In 2005, they had the virtual boy or it might've been 1995. It was this retro or 85, one of those dates. Um, it was, it was back, back before the GameCube. The Virtual Boy was their introduction into VR. Uh, there was this set of goggles that you could play, uh, like Mario, like could play tennis in um, and stuff like that. But it would make people sick, dizzy, motion sick, nauseous. You couldn't look into that thing for too long without getting sick. So it was mm. considered altogether a failure. The Nintendo 3DS releases with 3D games. This is a big breakthrough breakthrough for Nintendo. 3D games. Well, what happens? You know, that 3D feature didn't require special glasses. You just looked at it on the screen. There was a slider bar on the side of the DS that you could move up and down. But, man, man Jacob, I got to tell you, those 3D games, they did not last. They didn't. People got sick. People, people oh, yeah. looking at them, it did not work out. VR yeah. for Nintendo has just really never worked out compared to all of the other regular games. And so, you know, I got to, I got to say, I, the VR hurts my head like crazy. I can't play VR for more than five minutes and it, it's like, makes me nauseous, but you know, I was living with a, you know, this kid must've been like four. It was, you know, my tenant's son. He was on this thing every day. Yeah. He was playing a, he was playing a VR roller coaster rides. He was doing it all. Um, so I think if you get in, you know, it's like anything, if you learn how to, how to ice skate early, you're going to remember the, for the rest of your life. If you get used to the VR stress on your eyes early, you're going to be okay for the rest of your life. So, you know, the, the VR thing, it, it, it may just be that, right. It may be a thing where we need a full generation behind it before it's really going to catch on for the leaders. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, hopefully it, there's some, some type of way to make it so that, People who are prone to motion sickness don't get sick because I think that's still the biggest issue for me, at least, and for other yeah. people as well. So, yeah, this this is this is great. I mean, Nintendo, you know, it, it does warrant a really great conversation from time to time. They just have so much going on all the time that it's good to catch up on it. So appreciate you bringing this up, Jacob. Next up. Porsche unveils their first factory esports team. So uh, people like to use this term factory factory team as in it was an in-house team. It wasn't an out of house like, oh, we're going to uh, bring on this roster of people 
And so um, there are a series of online racing leagues that exist. And so if I have to assume anything, this is for Porsche to enter into the iRacing uh, scene, which I actually know a few people that do this professionally who are like, some of them are not real racers and some of them are. So it's a really cool, really cool uh, sport and scene to be into where they like, they build like these realistic rigs in a room of like being in a car and like the money that these people can drop on a realistic rig to feel (laughs) like they're driving an actual car. I guess without the consequence of, you know, if they crash in a video game, they're not going to crash in real life. But uh, Yeah. yeah, seriously, it's, it's cool to see, uh, you know, an official uh, official company like Porsche getting into the esports scene. I think every company these days is realizing, you know, we need some type of crypto, NFT, or esports related marketing in order to stay relevant with younger generations. Because, I mean, how cool is a Porsche if you can't get it in a video game somewhere? You know? Yeah. This. So I actually did one of these iRacing gigs. Oh my uh, goodness. Rigs. So they have one at the Mall of America. And I yeah. did this at least a decade ago. I was on a hockey trip. Um, we all raced in a, uh, just like we all had a rig. I mean, this, this, it was like a room. It was like a room at the Mall of America. They had maybe eight rigs and our entire hockey team did it. And it was a blast. And I really think that it's, if, you know, if they can really make the physics accurate and they can get the adrenaline pumping for these individuals, it's, it's going to be like the first sport that can really be played synergistically, both, you know, on the track and, you know, in the game, because the track is so dangerous. Right. And, you know, motorcycle riding is even more dangerous. Oh right? yeah. If you Big can, time. if you can, right. If, if they, you know, 30 years from now, if, if, you know, these tracks can be holographic and, you know, you can have the in-person, you know, atmosphere, but all the racers are not actually there. Right. That's like ready player one stuff, but it's the, it's the sport that really, you know, it could work. It could really, really work. And you wouldn't have to worry about rain. You wouldn't have to worry about the fact that you know, if someone falls off their motorcycle, they're going 200 miles an hour with nothing protecting them. Right. Motorcycle racing and, and, and F1, those are like the most dangerous sports, man. And they're sick and, and they can be done completely electronically. It'd right? be so cool so, is if there was a world where there was a, like a virtual stadium, right? So it'd be like a uh, like a, a giant racetrack of sorts, but it would be a real racetrack. But projections would, or like holograms, would represent like these racers, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so you could go to these giant like racetracks, and you'd have holographic cars or bikes Sick, on so a track. Sick. I think it'd be incredible. It's like a thing. It'd be su- such a thing of the future to take out the risk of real racing and like, yeah, it's a whole like other technological issue of, uh, of, of, of stuff. Cause like holograms, like, come on, that's next level. That's, that's so they're They're, they're starting to do some hologram stuff like, you know, commercialized. I actually saw an ad for like holograms for, for uh, digital meetings. Right. You want to see your boss. I'm sure everybody wants that. You know, you can you can get a hologram of your boss and throw it in your office. Uh, and, you know, when you have meetings, you can be relatively face to face. So, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be possible sometime. And, you know, the, the fact that these car racing games, 
the physics that they have in there is so good, right? That's such an, and, and car racing, it's like not crazy complicated, right? So yeah. they can really focus on the physics of the racing because that's what everyone cares about. They want it to feel as real as possible. And if you just take those physics, copy and paste them, and then you put the people in the car, I mean, holy shit, man, that's, that's sick. And, and it's the only sport that I can see that's like, it's, it's really possible at least in the near future. Yeah. The only thing that uh, I'm a little concerned about with virtual racing versus real racing, right. Is how do you factor for the RNG when it comes to uh, gravitational forces, drag, stuff like that, you know, you can program that stuff into a video game, but real life is always unpredictable. There are always variables, right? I think one of the big aspects of racing for me too, that I've seen is like, when someone crashes, it's because some error, some uncalculable uh, event has occurred that re- results in a major crash or some type of failure of the car, or the driver that produces, uh, I mean, something oh, that, yeah. you know, people love to see, which is a wreck, right? People yeah. love to see racing wrecks, you know, and it's one thing for you to crash in a video game because you steer the wrong way, but it's another thing for just real life to occur where, you know, maybe that is a big enough thing of the sport where you just can't replace real life racing with virtual racing without, you know, well, those variables, you know? Well, you know, what they could do is that they could actually, well, first of all, I think it would be impossible for it to be mixed. You would have to be either all digital or all in person. Right. Because, you know, <laughs> having someone who doesn't have to deal with the consequences of crashing is a very different game than someone who has the real life consequences. So I suggested earlier that they could mix them. That is definitely wrong. Yeah. As for cars burning out. Right. What you could do is so, you know, how like uh, bicyclists right before their sprint before their I don't know what you want to call them races. Mm-hmm. They race on basically bikes on treadmills. Yeah. Right. And you could do that with a real car. Right. You could like essentially suspend the car yeah. and, you know, attribute the horsepower that's being generated via the game and actually put that pressure on the car. That's what right? they do and in Cars would, 3. I was just watching Cars 3 the other night on TikTok. Someone was streaming it. And Lightning McQueen <laughs> and all these other cars are like <laughs> racing simulators where they like yeah. get up onto a platform and like, yeah. So you're right. They could. They could It'd do that. Cool. It'd be cool. I it mean, yeah. Dang, we're going into this, man. I know we're we're digging into into i racing and stuff here, dude. It's listen, we we've gone 22 minutes so far today on Nintendo and <laughs> yeah. racing alone. That's what's up. We're digging but, into uh, it. We're digging I, into. I it. love I love the idea of i racing being like big because it is big, right? When COVID first hit, there was 300 thousand people watching the uh, the digital F ones. Uh, there's a big market there, um, and the the stuff they could do is so cool. Like <laughs> like imagine. Like, so you had the regular races, right? But then you had the the iRacing Pro Bowl and the iRacing Pro Bowl, it's sponsored by Nintendo and everybody gets Nintendo items, right? It's like they 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 ride on a, they ride on a mushroom or, or rainbow road, right? That would be so cool. And you could do that all with, with digital stuff. Um, the crossing of IPs, man, a little nutty, if you ask me, little nutty, but hey, it works out for some people, you know, it. Definitely isn't the worst thing in the world. So it works. Okay. Okay. Let's keep going here. Next up. What a combo of a collab. Face Clan and Disney doing a 
uh, big merch collab. And, you know, FaZe Clan over the past few months here, uh, they just had a Naruto Shippuden, if I just pronounce that hopefully correctly. Um, they just had a big Naruto collab. And then this is even bigger. This is, I, I would honestly argue that this is the biggest collab that you could possibly do, like right now, which is getting together with Disney as an esports organization and brand and collabing with them. That's huge. That's a major deal. I mean, if it wasn't enough that they signed on Snoop Dogg, there is now a world where Snoop Dogg, Disney, and FaZe all exist at the same time within the same, like, who knows, you know? Uh, there could be Disney-branded Snoop Dogg merch, bro. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, yeah. I doubt that there will be, but I'm just saying, like, come on. So I checked this out. I was a little let down, to be honest. It's like a merch collab. Yeah, right? that's what it is. But what I wanted to see is I wanted to see a TV show. Right, I you know that's what this that's what Disney does, right? They make content, they make animated content, right? Well, it, it, you know, reality and animated content. Let's be real. Yeah, so the, Disney made, Disney does a lot, but Disney has the parks. Um, but you know, it, it, the merch is cool. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Um, but a a show would be crazy, right? That would be next level. So maybe that's in the plans. Maybe that's yeah, you know, yet to well, be announced. I mean, if they did a show though, it would have to be highly regulated for kids. But I mean, hey, I mean. If FaZe wants to make money, which they're, I think they definitely do because that's all an esports org wants to do, man. Like they yeah. want to make money to keep existing or else you don't exist. So how do you do that? Through tertiary sponsors like working with Disney. You know, that, that's what you do. That's what you do. So, yeah, I mean, I I looked at it and was like, yeah, this, I mean, have you met Disney fans, Jacob? Because uh, they they really do love their fuck, freaking merchandise. You know, I, it's just, it's just yeah. what they like. You know, it's it's what they do. Well, face clans like face clan fans like their merchandise too. Yeah, so if you if you like both, I mean, this is the this is the death of of some people here if they don't get it. So <laughs> I really hope that they do. I'm not I'm not speaking for myself here. Okay, I'm not calling myself out. I'm not some some anti gaming Disney fanatic is pissed right now. Oh my goodness! You know, it's just like why do they have to have a grid version of an old Mickey Mouse? Eh, it's like okay, calm down. This isn't for you. The, Disney will be back with with whatever they want to put out next and you'll buy it up. Okay. Whatever. Fine. Okay. Up next, up next. I cannot believe I saw this article. So this game is in beta testing, beta testing folks. Calm your tits down. Okay. My <laughs> goodness. People are already calling for nerfs for the uh, newly released fighting game. Multiverses players are, are already calling for the, uh, the company that has produced this game to nerf Taz. Taz, the Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes, is overpowered. OP, as players are calling it, okay? And it's like, the game hasn't even been fully released yet. Calm yourself. There's no need to be freaking out about power levels when it's obviously in beta. So, oh, Speaking of things that are being fully released, you remember Temtem, Jacob? Remember this game? It, like it was released a while back in Alpha. I don't. I don't but okay, no. it's a it's basically a Pokemon ripoff, but uh, they take out all of the RNG in the skill place being, and so it's completely skill based. They took out the RNG of Pokemon and made it completely skill based. Looks pretty cool. They're releasing their 1.0 version in like a month or two. Anyways, putting that aside. They want Taz nerfs. Jacob, what do you think? Is it too early to be asking for Taz nerfs? They just announced this game last week, man. 
Like, come on. I mean, they need to, they need to do this stuff. Right. So my experience with this is through TFT, right. And right now the newest TFT set came out on PBE, which is like a test server. And Oh my God, dude, some of the cops and items and augments in that are so broken. Like it's, it's like, so I don't know if you, you know, Zaya, right. Yeah. Zaya is completely overpowered and Zaya. Oh my God. It brings back so many bad memories for people because a couple of sets ago, Zaya was a one cost in TFT and was so overpowered. It was stupid. She was a one cost. And if you put critical strike items and, uh, in a, you know, crowd control resistance, she yeah. literally would do like 700 damage a shot and oh. paired with, with some of her synergies. Like Jarvan would basically give her plus 180% attack speed. And she was just fucking melting people. And she was a one cost. And oh you could hyper roll her and get a, a three-star one cost at like, you know, the first stage of the game. I mean, I used to abuse it and, you know, was, was climbing ELO because of it. But uh, I mean, I think this is just necessary, right? You need people to complain about this. I mm-hmm. remember when Valorant was in beta, uh, people were saying, oh my gosh, Ray, Ray's, is that her name? Uh yeah, Raze. I, I she was overpowered. I played all summer when they released the Valorant beta. I played it with my friends yeah. every night for hours, bro. It was it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Raze's rockets would just fire yeah. on down and, the and, corridors, bro. And mm. and the de- the devs were saying, no, she's not overpowered. But I think she ended up actually being overpowered. Right? They they did nerf her. I didn't follow the game that that. Oh, they, no, they they did point. they did nerf her because her grenade. Remember, she used to have two grenades. Oh and yeah, now she only gets one. Right, yeah. so they nerfed that. Those were oh, crazy wow. powerful. Those but I were think hilarious. The rocket, yeah, they, 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 those are so powerful. That I used, used to play as her because I'm, you know, FPS, and that was just the easiest for me yeah. to understand. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. I don't actually play much Valorant, to be honest. Um, it's cool, it's fun to watch, but uh, I'm horrible at it, you know, so I just don't play. I'm it. pretty bad at it too. To you know, I'm I'm a Halo guy. You know, I need I need more than one shot to to be able to keep going. You know, so. Uh, speaking of uh, League of Legends patches, so the League of Legends uh, latest patch, there was a huge durability update for a lot of characters, and this is the like biggest massive shift in win rates that we have seen in a long time for summoners playing on the Rift, and so th- it's it's a big change for a lot of the, um, I guess like majors majors and casters versus the basically everything that i play tank wise has been has uh has a lot of trouble now um yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy okay wait we're gonna pause for a moment uh okay thank you yeah just one moment pause right here totally good totally good i'm gonna go i'm gonna just mute myself real quick do a little standing pod action a little standing pod action okay we'll we'll uh we'll keep storming through here this is dangerous because i fidget like crazy Got you. You need a fidget cube. I've got one of those. They were giving out stress balls when we were. I took one. Oh, uh, there you go. I don't have one today, but I got these actually help the noise kids. There you, you go. Know, okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, picking up League of Legends, massive win rate changes on the first day of the durability update. Big changes. Sounds like TFT's also had some big changes as well. It's a big deal, and the chance trying to say uh, raise is still overpowered. Oh yeah, oh well, yeah, still overpowered, eh? On Valorant, Detron's a Valorant guy. We should play Valorant because if, if we don't stream it, right, we can just play together. Zetron, where are you located, bro? That would be that would be fun because if we don't stream, we can just play these games, right? If we're not monetizing, 
I'm pretty sure we can just play them. I mean, that's what community is all about, my my dude. That's what it's all about. It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be good. That'd be fun. Okay. Shintao, how you doing? Let's uh, let's keep rolling along here. Let's uh, let's dive into some NFT stuff. Let's uh, let's officially get over over into the NFT side of things. Okay. New York Times. It was about damn time, as Lizzo would say. Uh, <laughs> Nike releases an NFT sneaker. It sells for a heck of a lot of money. And the way that New York Times basically says it is like this. You've got the craze behind Nike dropping sneakers. You've got the NFT craze on people buying up NFTs. So it was a matter of time before Nike officially dropped a virtual sneaker. But something that you can't wear to me is a little skeptical. You know, what would be cool? And maybe maybe they are doing this. I, I need to read into this a little bit more. But have some like IRL version of the sneaker or something. Because if you're dropping this much money to own a virtual sneaker you can't even wear, man, you're no better than the person next to you who has cardboard on their feet. You know, I, I just you know you're no better than me who has two sneakers and like half of the sole is connected on each of them. Yeah, so, I mean seriously, it's it's just what are you flexing beyond the fact that like you have the NFT? You know, we we I mean, no god, we talk about you know NFTs and utility, and sometimes people just buy nfts for their art or just for the sake of saying i have this and i this feels like one of the you know oh i have this one you know yeah um you know i think that you know it'll be crazy cool right when or if or whatever the metaverse turns into a real deal and you're you're walking around in your exclusive one-on-one kicks but for the time you know it's kind of investment it's all speculative like everything else in the nft industry um, you know, it's it did sell for a lot of money. That's uh, that's that's a lot of money. But if it's a one, oh yeah, you know, big it, it, money. It's uh, it's just not bad for the industry overall. Zetron says he's in India. Um, I wonder what the ping would be for us if we played. <laughs> you know, I I would play with people from Australia, so I don't think it'll be too bad. Oh, if the ping is not going to be crazy, I'm 100 percent down. You I guys mean, can see just how bad I am at Valorant. <laughs> Latency is always an issue, especially with stuff overseas. So uh, you might have some trouble playing on their server, though, depending on what server they're on. That's the other thing, too. Can you can you create custom servers? Um, I'm not sure. But if it works anything like League of Legends, you've got the NA servers and then you've got very different servers overseas. It's why it's why Tyler one is literally in Korea right now. Like playing on the Korean, because oh, it's so server. Yeah, crazy. Man. Trying to get Challenger. It's so funny. It's so funny, dude. That's awesome. I love. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. Oh yeah, he's funny. Okay, uh, next up, NFT. Uh, Ringo Starr, the like least liked Beetle for a long time, if not still least liked Beetle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Ringo. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, He's releasing a, a 2020 item NFT set that comes with a signed physical original item as well. Um, you know, every every big star, if they've got music or if they've got some type of thing that they can put out there to make some money. Heck, man, you, you know, the Beatles is a brand that you can still make money off of because you are a part of the Beatles. So that's what Ringo's doing. 
Uh, he's he's releasing his own little NFT collection here. So, uh, I mean, I don't think there's too much beyond it. It's worth noting because Beatles merchandise is always going to sell. And so when talking about a collector's item like this, this I think this is a this is a pretty good one for for those of for those of you who maybe you're older and you really love the Beatles or maybe you're younger and you really love the Beatles and are like, "Ooh, I want to own something from Ringo Starr. That sounds pretty cool. The startup wow. power of it, you know, the 81 year old all time rocker. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to share my first venture into Web3, Ringo Star NFT collection, the created line of Beetle. Each NFT comes with a signed print and access to join me on an exclusive virtual tour of the groundbreaking digital gallery experience, Ringo Land. Peace and love, Ringo. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, yeah. it's, it's cool that he's tying uh, in person and IRL stuff to the NFT. Um, you know, this is, uh, we covered something like this. A while ago with the Rodman wrench, not the Rodman wrench, the Rodman, the basketball player, James Rodman. Yeah. Is that his first like that. Name? Um, that one we thought you thought it was a scam. I never really followed up on it. Um, but this one looks to be a little bit more kind of vetted out and, and um, immediately attaching you. Yeah, it, it, it looks pretty good. Yo, Jacob, move your camera down a little bit. Oh, sorry. There we go. Get the get the full face. There we go. Beautiful. This next one. Now, this is a story. I've been following this one for a couple of days. S- actor Seth Green. Okay. Oh, yeah. Seth Green has his wallet scammed and fished. And so he loses a board ape, a mutant ape, a doodle, and uh, like one other thing. Biggest problem, though, so embarrassing. is that he has been planning a TV show with his board ape board ape gets stolen sold to another person and he is publicly outing the buyer on twitter going yo at darkwing 87 you bought my nft that was stolen from me let's make a deal let me get it back and the guy's like hell no i yeah, own it i mean i'm not gonna lie i would do the same thing if, yeah if, if seth green like if, if you're if you're a um, I don't know, probably got a lot of money, a multimillionaire. If you let your wallet get hacked and you're asking for forgiveness on Twitter, I mean, come on, man. Like, that's not how it goes. It's it's unbelievable. And the guy who bought it, he said, no, I mean, he said he could sell it back to him at market price. I think that'd be fine. But any sort of deal for Seth Green, I mean, that is ludicrous to me. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is that. This his whole TV show and like livelihood of what he's been doing is kind of I think at stake here. If he doesn't have ownership of the NFT, that's what the article and the story has been talking about. It's that the whole conundrum is a legal battle because he can't legally use the NFT because he doesn't own it. He can't use that board ape, which is what he was wanting to do. And so that, and it's like, what do you do? Give, give right like. How much money do you have to give Darkwing if you use the if you use the board ape? And at the same time, Darkwing has to approve the use of the board ape because Seth doesn't own it anymore. So this this is I mean, it's embarrassing. It's also a little sad, but like yeah. I mean, bro, you got fished. Like what like you there must have been and, something yeah. that was too <laughs> good to be true that you got hacked. Cause like and, and how the how the hell are you using your wallet with you know, $500,000 worth of NFTs in it to connect to anything on the internet. 
how are you doing that? Like how, how are people still doing that? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. If your wallet's that pricey, man, go get a new one. Seriously. Like, uh, I mean, it's pretty easy. You can literally open another wallet on the same, uh, like the same, Oh, I guess maybe that, that won't. Yeah. I mean, you can open another wallet on the same MetaMask, right? You can have two wallets on MetaMask, you have two accounts, right? Just use your secondary account to connect stuff that you don't crazy bro it's 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 crazy i just i couldn't believe it when i saw it i was like wow that's that's actually it's funny it's also sad so uh we'll see what what that works out too but uh for now who knows who knows okay this article jacob has me had me cracking up so last week jp morgan was criticizing bitcoin (laughs) and this week they're praising it they're praising it. Uh, JP Morgan coming out. It's like the biggest news for BTC right now. Coming out to say, you know, actually, this downturn for Bitcoin is a huge upside for investors. They're even saying, they're going as far to say that crypto is now a better asset than real estate for wealth. And so this is huge. Last week, JP Morgan was criticizing crypto and Bitcoin. And this week, they're like, actually, hold on. This downturn can actually be a really good upturn pretty soon. So uh, if the, I think the t- correct term is bullish, yes, they seem yeah. bullish on this um, uh, as opposed to their bearish comments last week. So I think it's kind of funny. Um, you know, it's, it's I think it's partly because crypto is down so much. It could kind of just be like a right now thing. Um, crypto is a better investment than real estate. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, JP Morgan, they publish a lot of news reports. <laughs> so, you know, it, it doesn't really surprise me that some of it is contradictory. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's good. And, you know, any mainstream that's that's putting crypto in a positive light, that's great for us. 100%. 100%. Okay. Last but certainly not least, and I, I wanted to leave this for last for us to talk about this. Do second chances always deserve a second chance? Well, for the Luna community and the Terra community, it certainly does. The community voted in favor per, for a proposition with a number I can't remember to create a new stablecoin under Terra named Luna 2.0 and to name the former Luna, which crashed and burned, Luna Classic. They, the community still believes in the blockchain and their founder, even though I I thought there were like numerous reports of like him being sketchy, but I guess that wasn't the case. I guess maybe I was confused, but Luna 2.0 is, is going to be releasing. The community's excited. I mean, what stops this from crashing again? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, I mean, Luna went from a dollar to literally less than a tenth of a cent. Like the price of Luna right now is it's less than a cent. I mean, it's unbelievable how much this cryptocurrency crashed. You know, I see they're getting support from Wobi Global. That's a pretty big exchange in, in China. And they're getting support from Binance. I mean, it's tough though. Like after that happens, how can anyone buy in with any mindset other than to flip on the way up? Right. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. just, I, it, it's, it, it's, I mean, they sold their Bitcoin reserves, right? I think that's, uh, I, I don't know. They look like they're making a new, a new blockchain. I don't know. So, so Luna, Luna is similar to Tomb 
And Tomb also made their own blockchain and Tomb also isn't doing so well. So, you know, this all seems like, you know, it's, it's good to try. They're trying to, to revamp the system. But, you know, I think the idea of a stable coin that's not actually stable, is not pegged to anything besides speculative investing, uh, that just, that's, that's not really, I mean, the upside there is incredibly limited and you just saw what the risk was. So, you know, how are they going to create another stable point after showing that off? I don't know. They're, but they're doing it. They're, they're doing it and they're confidently doing it too. It's not, uh, they're not half-assing it, which I think is the, the biggest thing, right? They are, they're going all in. So I, I, I respect that, but man, you would think if something like this just really like died, you'd keep it like that. Maybe go create something with a different name. I mean, Luna 2.0, like how unoriginal to be completely honest, like, why not see some type of transformation or like reform what it was in a different way? Like you could take the name Luna and turn it into something else, right? Although, hold on. You could do it backwards. No, no. <laughs> no, I was about to say, no, a no. That's definitely not what you want to do. Right, it's because, because as when, when you paused, I was thinking that might be. <laughs> so I just listen. All I can say is this: their first coin went to shit, so all, the last thing they need to do to do is name their new one anal. Right? <laughs> Come on! Come on! <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's the last thing they need to do. So we'll we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, this has been great. Um, that's all we got time for today, folks. Jacob and I, we got to go go off and do some more fun things for Zen Sports. Uh, but some some final announcements. We've got the Mint Train games going on this weekend. Big prize pool, $3,750 in the prize pot after five straight days of minting from a wonderful guild uh, that uh, minted some NFTs. And so they added to the prize pool. Uh, it's going to be a good one. It's is this the gold series gold series uh elimination tournament I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Splinterlands tournament for all of you who may be interested. Going to be a big time. Uh do we have the giveaway going Jacob right now for for EMP? We we um so so the 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 mid train tournament is Bronze League. Sorry. Bronze League. Sorry. The, okay. The next one we recently announced is for the gold. That's why I got confused. My bad. My bad, everybody. Yeah, let me check on this giveaway. We don't have a giveaway. Um, I think we're going to save some We're going to do a big giveaway, though, soon for you. We're actually going to give away a whole node. Um, so that'll be exciting. Wow. It's a lot of lot of EMP right there, dude. Yeah. So I think this giveaway is also going to be exclusive only to holders. Can, you know, if we can do that, we got to check with, with legal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yet another reason to, to copy NFT if you're on the fence. Um, you know, we're going to be giving away a node either, either this weekend or early next week. So, uh, awesome stuff. We're going to keep giving away EMP during these podcasts. Etron, Nick, you've won quite a few. I see you guys are staking them on the protocol, which is awesome. You know, EMP continues to dominate. We're talking about Luna going to, going from, you know, a, a hundred, was a dollar to less than a cent. Yeah. Um, EMP is above peg right now. You know, and the best part is that they're not trying to reinvent the wheel and create a stable coin that's not really stable. They're pegged to Ethereum, right? Which is a, a great asset because it is the godfather of decentralized applications. Oh yeah, big deal. Big deal. 
Well, thank you everyone for watching this video and for taking a listen on Spotify and our other uh, streaming platforms for our podcast. If you enjoyed this video or podcast today, be sure to share it out, like, subscribe, comment down below onto YouTube or on any of the other platforms. Let us know what you want to hear about, talk about, that sort of thing. Um, until next time, we're out.